Chapter 6 of Perfect Behaviour, A Guide for Ladies and Gentlemen in All Social Crises by Donald Ogden Stewart. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Celine Oon. Chapter 6. A Chapter for Schoolgirls. Every fall, a larger number of young girls leave home to come east to the various finishing schools in this section of the country. For the benefit of those who are making this trip for the first time, we outline a few of the more important points in connection with the preliminaries to the trip east, together with minute instructions as to the journey itself. Selecting a proper school. This is, of course, mainly a parent's problem, and is best solved by resorting to the following formula. Let A and B represent two young girls' finishing schools in the east. Mrs. Rayleigh Jones, X, from the west, sends her daughter to A. Mrs. Borax, Y, from the same city, sends her daughter to B. Upon consulting the local social register, it is found that Mr. Rayleigh Jones is a member of the Union, Colonial, Town and Country, and Valley Hunt Clubs. Upon consulting the telephone directory, it is found that the Boraxes live at 1217 South Main Street and that Mr. Borax is an undertaker. Shall Mrs. F.B. Gerald, Z, send her daughter Annette to A or to B, and why? Answer. A. Because life is real, life is earnest, and the grave is not its goal. Correct equipment for the schoolgirl. Having selected an educational institution, the next requisite is a suitable equipment. Girls who live in other parts of the United States are often surprised to discover that the clothes which they have purchased at the best store in their hometown are totally unsuited for the rough climate of the East. I would therefore recommend the following list, subject, of course, to variation in individual cases. One dress, sheen, crepe de, pink, for dancing. One dress, sheen, crepe de, pink, for petting. One dress, Swiss, dotted, blue, or one dress, Swiss, undotted, white. Fifteen yards tool, best quality, pink. Four bottles perfume, domestic, or one bottle perfume, French. Twelve dozen Doreen, men's pocket size. Six soles, cami, assorted. One brassiere, or riding habit. One hundred boxes aspirin, for dances and house parties. One wave, permanent, for conversation. Twenty-four waves, temporary. Ten thousand nets, hair. One hundred thousand pins, hair. One bottle Kelka Fleur, for knockout. En route. After the purchase of a complete outfit, it will be necessary to say goodbye to one's local friends. Partings are always somewhat sad, but it will be found that much simple pleasure may be derived from the last nights with the various boys to whom one is engaged. In this connection, however, it would be well to avoid making any rash statements regarding undying friendship and affection, because when you next see Eddie or Walter at Christmas time, you will have been three months in the East while they have been at the State University, and really, after one starts dancing with Yale men, well, it's a funny world. In case you do not happen to meet any friends on the train, the surest way to protect yourself from any unwelcome advances is to buy a copy of the Atlantic Monthly and carry it in plain view. Next to a hair lip, this is the safest protection for a travelling young girl that I know of. It has, however, the one objection that all the old ladies on the train are likely to tell you what they think of Catherine Fullerton Gerald or their rheumatism. If you are compelled to go to the dining car alone, you will probably sit beside an elk with white socks, who will call the waiter George. Along about the second course, he will say to you, It's warm for September, isn't it? To which you should answer, 
No. That will dispose of the elk. Across the table from you will be a grand army man and his wife, going to visit their boy Elmer's wife's folks in Chenectady. When the fish is served, the grand army man will choke on a bone. Let him choke, but do not be too hopeful, as the chances are that he will dislodge the bone. All will go well until the dessert, when his wife will begin telling how raspberry sherbet always disagrees with her. Offer her your raspberry sherbet. After dinner, you may wish to read for a while, but the porter will probably have made up all the berths for the night. It will also be found that the light in your berth does not work, so you will be awake for a long time. Finally, just as you are leaving Buffalo, you will at last get to sleep. And when you open your eyes again, you will be in Buffalo. There will be two more awakenings that night. Once at Batavia, where a merry wedding party with horns and cowbells will follow the lucky bride and groom into your car, and once at Chenectady, where the Pullman car shock-absorbing tests are held. The next morning, tired but unhappy, you will reach New York. A Journey Around New York The Aquarium. Take 5th Avenue bus to Times Square. Transfer to 42nd Street Crosstown. Get off at 44th Street and walk one block south to the Biltmore. The most interesting fish will be found underneath the hanging clock near the telephone booths. Grant's Tomb. Take 5th Avenue bus and a light lunch. Change at Washington Square to a blue serge or dotted Swiss. Ride to the end of the line and walk three blocks east. Then return the same way you came, followed by three fast sets of tennis, a light supper and early to bed. If you do not feel better in the morning, cut out milk, fresh fruit and uncooked foods for a while. Metropolitan Museum of Art. Take subway to Brooklyn, Flatbush. Then ask the subway guard where to go. He will tell you. The Bronx. Take three oranges, a lemon, three of gin to one of vermouth with a dash of bitters. Serve cold. The Ritz. Take taxicab and $50. If you have only $50, the filet of sole marguerite is very good. Brooklyn Bridge. Terrible. And their auction is worse. When you have visited all these places, it will probably be time to take the train to your school. The first days in the new school. The first week of school life is apt to be quite discouraging, and we cannot too emphatically warn the young girl not to do anything rash under the influence of homesickness. It is in this initial period that many girls, feeling utterly alone and friendless, write those letters to boys back home which are later so difficult to pass off with a laugh. It is during this first attack of homesickness also that many girls, in their loneliness, recklessly accept the friendship of other strange girls, only to find out later that their new acquaintance's mother was a Miss Gundelfinger of Council Bluffs, or that she lives on the south side of Chicago. We advise, go slow at first. Becoming acclimatized In your first day at school, you will be shown your room. In your room, you will find a sad-eyed fat girl. You will be told that this will be your roommate for the year. You will find that you have drawn a blank, that she comes from Topeka, Kansas, that her poor made his money in oil, and that she is religious. You will be nice to her for the first week, because you aren't taking any chances at the start. You will tolerate her for the rest of the year, because she will do your lessons for you every night. Across the hall from you, there will be two older girls who are back for their second year. One of them will remind you of the angel painted on the ceiling of the Victory Theatre back home, until she starts telling about her summer at Narragansett. From the other, you will learn how to inhale. A visitor from Princeton. 
About the middle of the first term, your cousin Charlie Waldron, that freshman at Princeton, will write and say that he would like to come up and see you. You go to Miss French and ask her if you can have your cousin visit you. She sniffs at the cousin and tells you that she must have a letter from Charlie's father, one from Charlie's minister, one from the governor of your state, and one from some disinterested party certifying that Charlie has never been in the penitentiary, has never committed arson, and is a legitimate child. After you have secured these letters, Miss French will tell you that Charlie will be allowed to see you next Saturday from 4 till 5. Charlie will come and will be ushered into the reception room. While he's sitting there alone, the entire school will walk slowly, one by one, past the open door and look in at him. This will cause Charlie to perspire freely and to wish to God he had worn his dark suit. It is not at all likely that you will be allowed to go to New Haven during your first year, which is quite a pity, as this city, founded in 1638, is rich in historical interest. It was here, for example, in 1893, that Yale defeated Harvard at football, and the historic pigskin which was used that day is still preserved intact. Many other quaint relics are to be seen in and around the city of Elms, mementos of the past which bring to the younger generation a knowledge and respect for things gone. In the month of June, for example, there is really nothing which quite conjures up for the college youth of today a sense of the mutability and impermanence of this mortal life, so much as the sight of a member of the class of 1875 after three days' intensive drinking. Ahu Fugace! End of chapter 6, recording by Celine Oon.